Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 28th dose, and it's called Creative Process, a Q&A episode. This is my first time doing a Q&A episode, and I'm looking forward to it, actually. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast in general because I want to share with you some of the magic tricks I've found helpful in my life. And by that, I mean magic like the profound, awe-inspiring, wonderful, poetic, maybe deep, maybe sparkly, uh, the things that, that speak to our souls uh, that are found in kind of everyday, normal life. The realists part is because I want to ground this in kind of the physical, experienced, body, human world. And I want to play in synthesizing our, our spirit and our body and our practical experience and things that can make us feel better. And this particular episode uh, has taken me a few more days than usual to get to, which is kind of appropriate since it's about some of my creative process and the what I've been feeling and thinking about lately. So... I'm going to riff off of a few questions that some of you listeners asked, and I plan to do a few more of these in the future, so if you have a question you'd like to ask me, uh, for me to answer in this format, I would love to hear about it. And you can find me on Instagram, at magicforrealists, or the website magicforrealists.ca. Either of those ways would be a great way to ask me a question, and... I guess you can ask me a private question if you want me to just answer to you, but if it's okay that I share it, then um, I can sort of save it up for the next time I do one of these. Okay, so here goes. First, I'm going to answer a question from Hardy, who asks, let me find the exact wording, what is something you've been thinking about and or feeling a lot lately? And I picked this one first because it also kind of explains why I am a few days later than usual making this episode. I've been feeling claustrophobic. I've been feeling squished. Um, I've been feeling kind of boxed in and angsty and anxious and out of sorts, Um, especially the latter part of last week. And yeah, I've been feeling... Like, I don't have enough free time, enough, like, spaciousness, enough wildness. And that's been feeling very constrictive. And it feels like when this happens, um, like, my throat kind of tightens up and I, I get frustrated easily. I get irritable. I find it hard to, like, look people in the eye and really connect with them. I fu- it feels like there's sort of like a radar scanner in my psyche, like like you would have on a, a fishing boat, say. Like the, the sort of scanner goes like all the way around and a 360 scanning all the way around for other boats <laughs> on the radar. I think airplanes probably have this too. And um, yeah, it's like it keeps scanning all the departments of my life for like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Where's the block? What's, what's squishing me as if there's like something wrong? Um, and knowing that like, actually on the out, like outwardly, my life is pretty good. And, but this squished feeling 
feels like it's in my in my spirit and that something wants to come out um yeah so that's how I've been feeling and so I've been thinking about that phenomena a lot of these cycles of like feeling squished and cramped and then feeling expansive and um how I feel like part of this deep learning that I am working with in my life is about integrating seeming opposites and so these pulls towards like freedom and security and like stability and home and adventure and wildness like they're archetypal like deep patterns of longing in not only my psyche but I'm sure a lot of other people's and I think that's that's something that I've felt comfort in this week when it's felt really challenging and really awful um, inside my psyche, I think it would be, um, that these pulls that I feel I'm not alone in feeling. And that's been, that's been a comfort when I'm like, oh, this, these desires <clears throat> for like more wildness and desires for security would be one way to describe the the pulls those are not I'm not the only one who feels those and um I think people answer that that pull those seemingly opposite pulls in different ways sometimes they quench one completely and I feel burdened and lucky by the experiences that have led me to feel pretty entirely sure that I can't deny either one of those. They are so deeply a part of me, like the longing for, for home, the longing for, um, yeah, like a groundedness, uh, belonging is very strong. And so is the desire to have like movement and freedom and be part of the wild fury of the world. Um, and I'm not giving up on either of them. I'm just, it's like I'm, I've quoted Rilke before, but I'm I'm living this big question. And today I was reminded that uh, a quest, I'm on a quest. It's like, an ex, to me, an extended question of how to live these out is a, it's a quest. So Hardy, that's what I've been thinking and feeling lately. And I've also on a, like, maybe slightly less, uh, intense note I've been thinking about songs I've been thinking about the songs that I listened to uh, last week I spoke about country music um, I've been thinking about how much I have been influenced by songs in my life and how I love singing along to songs I've been thinking about uh, how amazing it is that songs persist in my memory um, yeah like I so I was driving back, I had like a three hour trip back home a few days ago. Another reason why I didn't get to the podcast. <laughs> so I went on an impromptu, much needed uh, drive to see my counselor. And who I normally speak with on the phone, but this was like a week I needed to see her in person. And um, anyways, on the way back, I bought some CDs from the thrift store. My car has a CD player and sometimes I took my phone up to a portable speaker to listen to like uh Spotify music on my phone but um 
sometimes I want to play through the car sound system and then I have to listen to CDs. And so I, I bought three new ones from the thrift store and I grew up going to church. And so from a very young age, church, church songs were like deeply embedded in my mind and actually pretty much the only music I listened to until, uh, probably until I was like 20. I almost entirely listened to Christian music and a bit of John Denver. And then, uh, like, I was gonna say heathen music when we go to my cousin's place. And then that was a relief. Um, but I did love Christian music at the time. And so I bought this CD called, I'm just gonna pull it out. It's called Wow the 90s. So if any of you were in North America in any kind of Christian circles in the 90s, that was like the golden era of contemporary Christian music, which was like Christian music trying to be cool, like not they're like rent remakes of hymns and uh, yeah, Christian music. So this is a very classic CD and it's a two two disc uh, collection. But when you buy it at the thrift store, of course, disc one is missing. So I only have disc two. It's got 15 songs on them on it. And they sound like the 90s, which is when I was, you know, in my formative years. And so that, like, speaks to this, this, like, soundtrack speaks to my, like, nostalgic childhood. And I was amazed at, I can sing along to these songs. Like, some of these I haven't heard in, like, 20 plus years. And my, I know the words to them. And, like, all this, from what I understand of biology, all the cells in my body have changed since then, like several times. And yet my consciousness knows these songs. And when I got to number, where is it? Number 14. I think I skipped a few of them, but I listened to most of them. And the intro to number 14, which is a song called Lover of My Soul by Amy Grant. And I didn't know the title of the song anymore, but the I recognized the intro and it was like already moving me like deeply and then the words started and like I just started gently crying in the car um it's a it's a really beautiful song and it's beautiful to me because of what it speaks to of this feeling I had about connecting with with god is what I would have called it at the time now I would say like this universal life force like awesomeness um and that that being like our soul's lover and this like I felt this oh I'm I'm having trouble describing it this how that has been calling me since I was really young that desire to be connected to life and nature and that there's a line about it like um it speaks to me in the things that I know like that God is not far away. Uh, God and this life is within everything, imminently close to us, in the rain, in, in the things that we touch. And I could just feel this thread of like, oh, I've always known this. This has always been speaking to me. This magic for realists. Like that song speaks to the same, the same spirit that I'm trying to give this podcast. <laughs> oh, it felt so good. And yeah, it felt like this deep anthem. And so I've been thinking about the power of music and the power of it to stir our souls and to, um, and for us to remember so far back. Yeah, it's really, 
really touching. Okay, I'm going to, uh, there's one more question from Hardy, which is, if you really knew me, what you would know about me is, I guess that's kind of like a finish the sentence. Oh, where do I want to take that one? If you really knew me, what you would know about me is, hmm, where do I want to go with that one? Oh, you would know that I love texture. The texture is important to me. How things feel on my body and my clothes is really important. Um, one of the greatest compliments I got was when, uh, I might have already told you guys this. It's funny, after making podcasts for a while, I, I sort of forget what I've actually said on the podcast. <laughs> sort of like when you tell them friends the same stories over, that might start happening. Anyways, um... One of my favorite compliments is when some friends helped me hang my clothes out on the clothesline and, or brought them, I think they were bringing them in, they were dry. Yeah, because they could feel them. So they brought in my clothes for me and they folded them really sweetly and they, they said, all your, Celeste, all your clothes are, are comfy. Like all your clothes are, are like soft and, and comfortable. (laughs) I thought, yeah, actually, they are. All my clothes are, are lovely and feel good. Like, they feel good on your hands. And that was an era where I actually wasn't even wearing jeans. Now I have some jeans that I love. But, yeah, it's if you knew me, you would know that how my clothes feel is really important. I have pretty much zero tolerance for, like, polyester shit that feels scratchy. Uh, I only like tight clothes if they're sort of, like, stretchy, like yoga pants. Right now I'm wearing a super fuzzy sweater that I bought precisely because it was fuzzy. And I'm wearing like uh, this sort of onesie jumper black stretchy thing. Uh, you would also know that I often change my clothes several times a day. <laughs> um, I feel refreshed when I put on new like new skins. And I love, because I love being comfortable, if anything's a little bit like tight for a while. Say like my my work pants or something when I'm being an office girl for a few hours, then, um, yeah, I need to, I changed my clothes. (laughs) Um, one of the reasons I love skinny dipping is because I hate wearing wet bathing suits. And so I I really don't like having wet, clammy bathing suits against my skin. So if need be, sometimes I will swim naked and then put on a dry bathing suit if it's not appropriate to hang out naked on the beach. Um, Yeah, so you'd know that texture is important to me. And the last question I'm going to answer on this particular Q&A is from Kendra. And Kendra asks me to talk about my creative process. So I'm, yeah, thank you for that question. And it feels quite open-ended. And I think I'll I'll talk about one of the... maybe one of the themes which also relates to the timing of this podcast and then talk about the collage project that I'm working on. Um, so my creative process is, um, well, it's it includes lots of different mediums. Like it's not limited to one form of like expression. I kind of do whatever inspires me and over the years I've acquired lots of different techniques to work with. So I, but the one I've probably done the most of is sewing, which sometimes is something I do for work. Um, 
I love collaging. I enjoy painting, but I don't do it that often. I, I love writing poetry, and I like writing short stories, as you'd know if you've listened to those episodes. And I love fixing things and solving problems. Like, I really like being in a place where I can um, kind of, like, engineer creative solutions with my um, funny way of combining things to fix uh, so, like, when I build stuff, like, when I build things with wood or shelves, I am not a carpenter in a kind of professional, measured, orderly way, but I'm really good at making stuff that does what I need it to. Um, so I'm often using funny combinations of, like, screws and wood and brackets and angles to to, to get what I need done. And it creates this sort of strange aesthetic that... Um, yeah, if you knew me, you would probably recognize by now. It's like, oh yeah, Lindsay made that shelf. Um, yeah, it, uh, I'm looking at one right now that's on the side of my cabinet and it's got like some wood that I scavenged and then I sanded and I put some L brackets on for stability, but then there's also some screws. Some of them don't go in all the way, so they make nice hooks for my keys. And so it's like, I, I hardly ever make things symmetrical, even if I try. Um, I am not precise in my creativity. I care about details, but I'm not like, definitely not symmetrically precise. So my creative process is, in that sense, relaxed. Uh, it's very scavengy. Like, I'm inspired by things that I find. And I love rescuing things in some capacity, like... I'm always looking on the sides of roads as I'm biking and finding objects. I love thrift store shopping. So something about like working with elements I find and then recombining them is probably the theme throughout all my work. Like quilting is that. It's like finding... I don't go to a fabric store and buy all the fabric for a quilt. Um, like pre-buy it. Not at all. I, I sometimes will buy a little bit of new fabric, but mostly I'm reworking fabric that... I already have or that was from old clothes or that somebody gave me or I found or whatever. Um, collaging, same thing. I'm like cutting up magazines from thrift stores. I'm not buying images somewhere. And so I'm I'm scavenging or I love old wood from the beach. I like um, rescued hardware. Uh, yeah, I'd say most of my creative process works with with left or with like old bits at making them into something new. Even my poetry works with like uh, old stories or feelings and combines them in new, fresh ways to make something. Um, when I poetry process feels sometimes like I'm... I've heard other art writers describe this and I can relate to the feeling of sort of like as if as if it's sort of flying by and you have to catch it, like as if the inspiration is... Yeah, it's almost like a bird in flight or something, and you gotta be there at the right time. Um, so it, when a poem sort of there for me to catch, uh, it seems like it's not, it's not like, it's, it's a bit fickle. Like it, it could, it could be lost quite easily. So sometimes I'll, the best poems I think are ones that I sort of just get that inkling and then I stop what I'm doing and start writing them 
usually I write the first draft of it all in one swoop and then it gets reworked a bit, but the I caught it that first time. And I'd say my creative process in general is kind of intuitive in that it's sensitive to those nudges of almost like the thing that is sparkling. So not literally, but maybe it could be sunlight. Um, but the thing that is sort of calling my attention and that if I follow that, the next thing after that becomes evident. And that's also a way that I guide myself through life. Um, that I feel like the making of my life is also probably the biggest art project creative process I'm involved in is the shaping of my own life, of my living situation, of my job, of my work. Yeah, job and work. I guess I'm distinguishing between like the job is the thing I go and do for somebody else and work is the stuff that I'm up to. Um, that's all part of my creative process and it's about noticing the thing that is, um, yeah, kind of sparkling, like the thing that is wanting me to attend to it. Uh, sometimes that's a book or a writing thing and some things wait for a long time. Um, my creative process now is getting more drawn out. Uh, so this collage project that I'm working on is kind of like a take two of something I started. I mean, I've been, I used to collage my journals for years when I was in high school. I I've always liked collaging, but, um, about seven or eight years ago, I made the first part of a tarot deck. I made my own collaged version of all the <clears throat> major arcana cards. That's about 24 cards. And if you're not familiar with the tarot deck, they are like archetypal old images of um, different parts of the human experience, I'd say. And they tell a story. They also um, relate the minor arcana, the second section, is, is like the same amount of cards as a regular playing card deck, um, like one to ten and then some court cards. And so tarot cards have been used in all sorts of ways, but I find them interesting as these symbolic um, storytelling, uh, like art that calls upon these um, common and deep and nuanced human experiences. So none of the images are really straightforward. They're, they have elemental pattern or yeah, patterns of like earth, air, water, earth, air, water, fire, there we go, and of different periods of life, of different like masculine, feminine type energies, and all sorts of combinations of those. And I think I'd, I'd like to do a fuller explanation of that towards when I'm finished this project. Um, because the first time I did this, I only collaged the first section of the tarot deck, and I was really pleased with the images, and I sold some of the decks, but they were only partially done. And then life went on and the, it seemed absolutely daunting to make the next, like, is it 54, the next section? There's a, you know, a lot more. And I thought there's like, that's just so many to make. And I don't know how I would do all those images. Um, I make like a larger, almost like a regular size piece of paper image first, and then it gets scanned and shrunk down to 
an oversized playing card size. So it's neat because the, the details get um, uh, that I wouldn't be able to make that small. I can make it in the larger version and then they get shrunk down and still visible. And But this has been resting in in my sort of bank of creativity for a, for all those years. And I wondered if I'd ever go back and complete it. And then it had been building this sense of like, oh, like it's almost like that, yeah, that idea, the sparkle was growing, the like, the intrigue, the, I wonder what would happen if I did that. And it became, went from like a curiosity to towards a compulsion. And like it, like it was the next thing that needed to happen. And that was one of the reasons I've rented a studio space was because I physically, I just swallowed a bug. <laughs> a bug just flew into my mouth. Sorry about that. Um, my Because my creative process in this one is very physical. Like it's a lot of um, physical objects of the, the paper cutouts. And I needed to be able to spread them all out and see them. Um, so in the build up to this, I just... I spent a few months just cutting out pictures like in at work in quiet moments in evenings I just cut out images from collages and I knew that I would or sorry from magazines I knew that I would be cutting out way more than I needed but that it was my way to start to honor the the process honor the inclination and so I I think my creative process has become trusting in the sense that um movement towards the thing that I feel called to is I trust it even if the it's not necessarily going to seemingly be part of the end product like I don't see the because I can't know what the end product is like it's it is all in the process as well so um cutting out a bunch of images I didn't know exactly which ones I was going to use, but I knew that the cutting out of them was was part of what was helping me get there. It was part of the hours I spent thinking about how this was... Like when I started, I didn't know how I was going to format them. I didn't know how I was going to deal with these repeated symbols that I needed to illustrate. I didn't know how I was going to deal with, deal with all the figures. Like, was I going to actually draw people? Was I going to cut out people? What about their faces? Was I going to include animals? Were they going to be framed all the same? How was I going to create cohesion across these like 70 something cards that all have different images and were going to be cut out of all sorts of different magazines? What was going to draw them together? And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen a few of these images starting to, I mean, I've finished a lot more than I've shown because I want to keep some of them a secret uh, until it's finished, but you can see what what is tying them together these these colors and these paint paint chip strips that form frames and i'm playing with the colors and the feeling of the colors and tying those to the archetypes so my creative process trusts that even when i don't know the finished product the the next thing will reveal itself and i actually love the process of kind of like coming to a little block a little like oh I don't know what to do next and then being patient and often like not really not dwelling on it like I don't push through the blocks I just I just sort of look around and see what the next thing is that I know to do and it's amazing 
in that tangible way of trying to make these images and sometimes I'll, I'll need a bizarre thing like I'll need like I'll need a picture of a dog facing left you know and it's like how am I going to find that in a magazine and and then I'll just sort of be like oh I, I can't find it I can't find the dog and then I'll be like okay well and then I look around and it might be something totally different it might be like okay now it's time to go do some sewing my studio has like all these different workstations sort of for these because when this happens, I need to go move on to something else. Or sometimes within the same project, it's like, okay, but I can I can deal with the sky because I can see the sky. I, I can tell which picture to use for that. And then almost mysteriously, I'll be like flipping through, finding the, the sky and then the tree and the this part. And then I'll just sort of blow a magazine over and there's a dog there. It's like, this is just an example of the amount of times that the thing I need shows up when I'm not stressing about it and I'm looking somewhere else uh, is remarkable. And I think practicing that in my tangible, like cutting out pictures and making stuff with my hands way is also what teaches me and reminds me that I can do that in my life. Like this is very good for me to hear myself say right now of like sometimes like in that stuck claustrophobic feeling, it's like, ah, I don't know where to, go. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I feel this way. But then like the little next thing will make itself obvious. Like the next step will, will, will sparkle to me. And last week's case, it was like canoeing with my boyfriend is a great idea. Go do that. Even though I'm feeling so out of sorts, like that will help. And it did. And then I was still feeling really out of sorts. And it's like, just, just drive, see my, like just go see my support network go see them and like even before I got there just in the drive I felt I felt the shift of like oh oh it's like there's movement I'm gonna be okay as if like the yeah the block was it wasn't from pushing against it it was from well just time ticking and trusting that I would just do the next little thing and then the next thing would appear. Um, yeah, so that's how my part of how my creative process works in collaging and in, in life navigation. And so I didn't make a podcast on, I usually make them on Mondays and publish them on Tuesdays because on Monday I was like, I was thick in my own psychological, like, box and I didn't know how to talk about it and um I thought of just sort of like you know faking something I thought about using the cue cards of episode ideas that I have that I hardly ever look at <laughs> like drawing one out of those and then I thought ah oh, I think there's probably grace in this world for people to just you know Apparently, regular podcasts are a great thing if you want to keep your audience engaged, quote unquote. But I think also being like a real live human is probably more engaging in the long run. Um, so I think I just applied my creative process to this, too. And it's like, OK, this feels stuck. I don't know what to talk about. Still feels stuck. OK, just give it some time. Do the next thing you know to do, which was other things. It was um, other ways of connecting with my creativity and with my community at large and close by and I just figured the the time the time and inspiration would come 
And then, and I was running through all these other ideas so I could talk about. And then about 10 minutes before I started this one, I was like, oh man, it sure would be nice if like I just knew what people wanted to hear me talk about. And then I was like, oh wait, I already prepared for this. A few weeks ago, I asked for questions. <laughs> Sometimes I just, I think my creative process like has more of a gift in it to me than I expect. Like I've sort of covered my own ass more than I realize. And I will have like already got the supplies for the thing that I didn't know I needed. That happens a lot. You know, like I'll, yeah, that's part of the sort of rescue scavenge part too. It's like stuff will show up just when I need it. So in this case, I needed, I needed to know what um, my audience wanted to hear me talk about. And then I had already prepared that like a few weeks ago so thank you for those questions this time thanks to hardy and kendra and again if you'd like to ask me a question for another episode you can get in touch on instagram at magic for realists or the website magicforrealists.ca. thank you for listening thank you for being a part of my creative process in this knowing that you are listening um, is part of what makes this sort of alchemy of of words and thought and, and sharing possible so I'm grateful for that. And I always love to hear that you are listening, who you are, where you are in the world, and any thoughts you have on this. And I hope that something I've said has been helpful to something that you're feeling or thinking about or a song or um, a creative process. I hope that it enriches that somehow and that you find some of that magic in the real world. And also, I haven't mentioned this in a while, if you know somebody else that you think would enjoy listening to these. I would be so delighted if you shared it with them. Um, I don't know the same people you know, and they might want to know me or know some of these ideas and I might want to know them. So if you would like to play that sort of liaison, web spinning, um, cross-pollination wizardry and, and share this, I would be totally honored. And until next time, I hope you experience some of the magic in the real world. Bye for now.